and we're recording. Awesome. Hi, guys. Welcome to episode number 13 of the Lift Free and Diet Hard podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Coates, and I have my friend Susan Niebergall here with me today. So she's back uh, having Yay. previous guests on the old format when we had Dean with us. But uh, I, it's been fun to revisit some of the, the, the really popular guests that we've had. And you've obviously been very busy with your online content creation with the inner circle with Jordan Syatt and, and all that. So how have you been doing this past, uh, you know, several months? Um, great. Well, thank, first of all, thank you for having me back. It's always great to speak to you. Um, you know, been doing great. I've got a lot of irons in the fire kind of thing right now. Um, the inner circle, we're really busy in the inner circle. Jordan and I have a lot of projects going on within the inner circle for our members. Um, and that's keeping us super busy. Um, writing a book, finishing a book, actually. Well, actually, the book's kind of finished. I'm in the editing process. So this is a whole new world for me, by the way, because I'm not a writer um, at all. And I'm going through the editing process has been eye-opening. <laughs> it's tedious. Um, and I'm on the final phase of that. So there's light at the end of that tunnel um, with a lot of stuff to come between now and whenever it comes out. Um, so that's keeping me super busy too. And then, you know, I still have my hands in the one-on-one -on -one online space as well. Um, just not a lot of that as much as inner circle. Cause I'm all full-time inner circle pretty much. And then we just got a lot of stuff going on around this house. So you add that to the mix, you know, like it started with the kitchen reno <laughs> and then it went downstairs to let's take out all the paneling and drywall it and, and insulate it, which turned into, okay, now we got to paint it. And then we came into my space. My space used to be this orangey color. Now it's a nice normal color <laughs> and we're just rebuilding this space. So there's a lot of stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> Some people chose that this year. My friends, uh, Colin and Allie DeWolf, and they're pretty regular listeners, so they'll probably be tickled at the shout out. They're Jim Oder's Back Alley Fitness and Medicine Hat uh, here in Alberta. And so they've, they've done, I think, a total renovation of their home on top of, you know, with their gym running that, which is wow. a big job. And anybody who's a facility owner, I mean, I think you're working twice as hard just through all this, just to make sure you're checking off all these boxes, keeping your people safe and keeping your doors open. And yeah. on that, I, I hooked them up with Brad Dieter who was looking for coaches with uh, Macros Inc. So they both applied and, and both got on there. So I don't even know how they keep up with that pace. That's crazy that, you know, it's so funny. You, you bring up the, the, the brick and mortar space. At one point, I thought that's what I was going to do. And early, 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 early on, what I wanted to do was open a space that trainers can come and rent, you know, rent out space and, and train clients there. There's a huge need in this area for that because it really doesn't exist. And I, when I first started in the industry, I was a, a, a personal trainer. I started at a gym and then I went to a uh, training company that did nothing but training people. And they used facilities at office buildings and things like that. They paid rent to, but they really struggled with finding places to train people. And I thought, this is a huge need. And so I was going down that road. I started looking at facilities, looking at spaces. And then, and I look back on that now and think, what was I thinking? <laughs> you got to do that well. So um, yeah, the situation I'm in. So I want no part of owning a facility. So I rent space mm -hmm. fully equipped, yeah. 10,000 square foot floor, um, athletic facility, you know, powerlifting, Olympic lifting, and general population, big turf area. So the owner is a good friend of mine, John Chung, and uh, I used to work, work for a big commercial chain or a small commercial chain here, and it keeps getting smaller and smaller. We're not on good terms. We'll leave it at that. Anyone who's mm. a little, they know, they know the whole deal there. Uh, mm -hmm. so 
made Dean Somerset and a whole bunch of other people used to work for that company. And then John wanted me to come over because he knew that I knew a lot of people in the industry. So he, he was very clever. He figured if he pulled me out, he'd get a whole shit ton more people. And that's exactly what happened. And we pay a small rent every month. And he's got offices with physical therapists. He's got chiropractors, massage therapists, mm -hmm. uh, and various other services. So it started as one. Now there are four locations and there's leases in the works for more. And they're going to be expanding. Out of, we already have contracts and lease stuff signed outside of Alberta. So he's doing exactly that and does it extremely well. So he's been phenomenal. And he sees everything that's going on now as an opportunity, you know, better chance to get a, a good lease arrangement in various places as a lot of other gyms have struggled. So two, two things, first of all, I don't know my Canada geography very well. Where is Alberta in the bit? Like, where so, are you in Canada? Physically, Alberta is, so British Columbia is the furthest West province. They're okay. Big almost. And then we're the next most Western province. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Like physically and ideologically is like Washington state and Oregon. Okay. Got it. Alberta ideologically, the way it is, is really Texas North. It's oil, it's cattle. It's. Oh, like, wow. Okay. So that sort of stuff. Right. So in terms of like the most similarity, we're not quite as, as open with the gun stuff, but as far as Canadian provinces, <laughs> definitely the most conservative out of all the Canadian provinces, us and uh -huh. our neighbor. So yeah, so we're on the Western side. Okay, so then what is the status of gyms where you are? Um, open. Um, Alberta and Saskatchewan, A, we're not as populous. Like Edmonton's still fairly uh -huh. million people, but we haven't been as affected by it as heavily. Like Canada and the US, I think on average, are quite different. And then... I mean, there's a little bit of a rise right now for sure. And then there's always that kind of mentality that is terrified and wants everything locked down and will uh, careful about my thoughts on this, but will sacrifice a lot of people to suicide and drug overdose and mental health to try to save every possible life, you know, yeah. person who's in, you know, within weeks of dying in an, in an old uh, elderly care home. So that might ruffle some people's feathers and it's not simply that much of a straw man, but for the most part, I think everything here has been quite reasonable. Uh, the gyms were reopened after a three-month uh, shutdown of everything, as we didn't know what the hell was going on and everybody was worried. And now our government has been fairly clear in saying we're not going to shut small businesses because the consequence of doing that to everybody's livelihood is, is as bad, if not overwhelmingly worse. Amen. Being a terrible can down the road. So in um, Ontario, so in Toronto and a couple of other areas, Ottawa, the government has ordered gyms and restaurants shut down. So there's a big outcome. Yeah. This. What do we know now know? We know that people who are um, obese are definitely disproportionately you know, killed by this virus. And all the examples of, like I've heard medical professionals talking and the news media doesn't want to grab onto it too much, but most of, if not virtually all of the younger people who have died turns out they're actually morbidly obese. This is a very, very strong relationship. So what do we know? We know that this virus disproportionately affects people with high blood pressure, obesity, and major other comorbid issues. So one of the best things you can possibly do is to be active. Mm -hmm. Now, you get these people who are like, oh, you don't need a gym to be active. Okay, like that, that's not a helpful like, sentiment, you know, and especially now we've got snow on the ground the last little bit. So outdoors fitness is not necessarily very viable for most people. So, um, you know, I'm a big advocate that the gym should be open and that, you know, closing, you me both. closing small businesses while everybody buys all their stuff on Amazon uh, isn't exactly good for society. We've had the greatest 
you know, wealth transfer, I think, and accelerated in, in, in our history to these large corporations away from small businesses. So, but yeah. I'm not a bit far afield. I think everybody kind of, a regular listener will probably know that this is how I look at the world, but I, I believe in small business. I believe in gyms. I believe in fitness. I believe that we should have the freedom to operate these facilities, do be, be held to task to operate them safely and do a good job. I think spin studios, I feel so bad for spin studio owners because we had uh, a place in Hamilton, Ontario, where there's a bad outbreak. And I just don't know how you can make a spin studio work versus erecting physical barriers around every single bike. Yeah. Those, there've been several incidents of those. So you, they've got to do better. They've got to change something. But uh, I think just general gyms, we just, we have so much aggregate data out of the US where, as we know, things weren't as locked down and we just are not seeing viral spread across these massive aggregate aggregations of data uh, from all these gym check-ins. Same thing in the UK. So we know that general gyms are not the spreading vector. Right. We do seem to know that it's private gatherings, right? These seem to be the things that are driving the spread of this thing, but it is what it is. Yeah. I mean, I totally agree. My, I was asking because I spoke to some woman literally before we just hopped on from Toronto and her frustration was that gyms were open. Then they shut them for a big chunk of time. Then they reopened them and now they're shutting them again. And they evidently, she says they're, they're they said, a couple months or whatever, but she believes it's going to be till the first of the year, probably because I mean, they're going to butt up right up to that timeline. Well, there's a few problems with this. First of all, you're destroying um, the confidence of small business owners, in this case, gym owners and restaurant owners to even bother trying to run these places. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of places that are hanging on by a thread. You shut them back down again, you're killing them Two, These owners don't have any confidence that the government won't turn around and do it again. So why on earth would you even consider starting a gym or a restaurant right now in, yeah. in places that show an inclination towards shutting stuff? And three, and from some of the language we've seen out of that government in Ontario, it, it hints at they're punishing people. They're, they're, there's no evidence to support the shutting down of restaurants and gyms because of the COVID spread. It's interventionism. And this is something I've always felt a problem with when and it's always government, of course, and I don't want to get into anti-government rants because that's not how I think. But instead of doing nothing, then there's this appearance of doing something, however non-evidence-based or completely useless or harmful that intervention is, it's the act of doing something to seem to the people like you're actually making an effort. And I think gyms and restaurants are low-hanging fruit. Mm -hmm. It's really punishing people punishing the business owners and punishing people's physical and mental health. So it's not the answer. And I think you're destroying the people's confidence in that the, go- the governments will not react. And I'm grateful for, you know, there's some issues with our government here. There's issues with any government everywhere. I mean, you know, if you don't think so, you're kidding yourself. But our government here has been very clear in the fact that they do not intend to lock down small business anymore. And, you know, I'm a small business owner. I don't own a physical facility, but I work in one. That gives me confidence to be able to go forward and say, okay, like at least these guys get it and they understand the importance of this. Yeah. And I just want to say too, on the side of speaking of your business, the guy, one of your clients that you always, you, you post highlights of a lot, um, Larry. Yes. Oh, shout out to Larry because I love watching Larry. He's like a badass. I mean, I love watching what you do with him and I love watching him. This is great. If anybody uh, is, is a listener, but is not uh, on my Instagram, 
Um, you can find, I usually post maybe a video of Larry every once, once or twice, one to, every two weeks, one to two weeks. And Larry's 70. He's got this sort of grizzled Santa sort of thing going on. Yeah. He, he's a, he grew up on a farm. He was a, he's a retired trades worker, pipe fitter, and he's strong. He's actually in phenomenal health given his like a stature. He's a stout man. He's short and stout. He's powerful. So yeah, we've got mm -hmm. the cool stuff. Like he can take trap, uh, trap, uh, trap bar deadlift. He won't let me post this video. It's like a 403 pound single trap bar deadlift. He thinks that he should be able to do it for like eight before it counts. And I'm like, no, like, <laughs> <laughs> it's not good enough to post yet for him. Um, we've got another video of him doing heavy trap bars. He can squat over two plates for some reps on a safety squat bar and he's hitting parallel depth. He can push a sled loaded up uh, and he does lots of other cool stuff. So he's fun to work he, with. He's really intelligent. He's really wise. And it's my it's, hero. Shout out to you, Larry. <laughs> there's a whole bunch of stuff to this too. I mean, one is anybody who's looking at this, you know, sees well shit. If he's 70 and can do this stuff, I mean, I'm 35. I have no fucking excuse. Or maybe it just gets people to think about their own parents or, you know, the older people in their lives yeah. and go, okay, this is something that will help preserve their physical and emotional well-being. I mean, Christ, we don't dance around the fact you put it out there. You're 60 and you're yeah. doing weighted chin-ups. You are shredded, right? Like it, it, it's, it's su super cool. And this stuff is hopefully motivational and inspirational for other people to, if they're in that age cohort to say, shit, I can totally do this. Or if they're a lot younger saying, well, I should be taking this stuff a lot more seriously right now, or maybe, you know, have conversation with the people in their lives who fall into that category. And who knows, maybe someone comes and works with me directly, or maybe they find another trainer that I really, uh, you know, I really trust, or, you know, somewhere else in, mm -hmm. in the US, they go seek out a trainer who's going to help them. You know, it's interesting because I tell, um, I tell people, I, I don't have the genetics. Like I get this all the time. You must have great genetics or whatever, you know, all those things, or you're athletic. Well, no, <laughs> I never played sports. I was a music person. So I never played sports. I'm, I was a sports fan. I mean, yeah, I grew up going to DC sports stuff. So yeah, I know a lot about sports, but I was never really athletic, except I was pretty good at powder puff football, which is kind of like co-ed flag football. I was really good at that. But, you know, they, we don't really have teams for that. That was just through the gym and whatever. But it, so I don't have all this stuff that people assume I have. What I have is just, I just wanted to work hard, you know, and I, and I just, I started to work hard. That's kind of what I did. Um, and it, and my message is, as you know, it's never too late. It's, it's not, it's never too late to, um, to, to do any of this stuff. I don't care how old you are. You know, doesn't mean you have to do weighted chin-ups for God's sakes, but it does mean that if you want to, you could still, you know, do it. I finally got the 45 pound weighted chin-up the other day that I've been working on for so long. I got a ways to go on that. That, that was just one of those days, I think, but still, it, you know, give yourself a goal. I don't care if it's like doing a push-up or whatever it is, give yourself a goal because you can do it. You know, at 260 pounds, I am weighted chin-ups when I do them. So. I gotta say, <laughs> amen, amen. Extra weight. Uh, so, I, I, one of the things I wanted to ask you, and it, it sort of shines through, but to be more specific, you know, obviously we've talked about what happened this year, and it's been really disruptive to a lot of people, and I think it's yeah. adversely affected a lot in our industry. What's been your attitude and you know pattern of actions given everything that's happened? Because you said you've been working on all these things. You know, it's interesting. I think when the pandemic first hit, it felt like a snow day. 
down here because you know when we get snow in the dc area things shut down and it's kind of like oh cool this little vacation that's kind of that was the attitude at the beginning and then as it was dragging on i found myself really starting to slip mentally like okay this is not feeling normal anymore and one thing that i did to give myself, I don't know one, I don't want to say give myself purpose because that sounds a little drastic. Like I was really well, I was horribly far off. I wasn't, but I gave myself three things um, movement wise that I was going to do every day. Discipline, you know, just keep the discipline. I didn't have the gym open, but I have a gym here, not the same feeling, at least at the time. So um, I decided I was going to do band pull aparts every day, 300 of them because um, my shoulders, I have a history with shoulders. So let's keep those guys healthy. I was going to start doing chin ups every day because I walked outside to my chin up bar and I felt like at the beginning, it was like six chin ups felt heavy. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? And when I was talking to Jordan about it, we, we laughed. I'm six pounds heavier than I was when I really was focused on chin ups before because I did a muscle building phase. Oh, okay. Yeah. That kind of makes sense. So I want to get stronger with my new weight at chin-ups. So I was going to do a grease the groove chin-ups every single day. And I added every week, how many I would do that kind of thing. And then I was doing these crazy old things called dragonflies. Some people call them dragon flags, whatever they are, um, which is insanely hard. And I've just, I, you know, I worked on those a couple of years ago and got pretty good at them. Let it go for a while. So I was starting to rebuild those, just those three things every day I had to do. And what that did for me was it really kept me focused during this time of uncertainty, you know, and I think that helped drive me. It helped me keep in the business game. Like it kept me just, it kept me fresh and kept me going. Perp I had a purpose. I had some drive that really worked for me. Um, and then as this pandemic, oh my gosh, for those of you, you, you all can't see this, but I'm watching this adorable cat come on my computer screen right now because <laughs> I'm a cat person too. <laughs> hey guys, yeah, Ozzy, for any listeners who are- Ozzy! Big, fluffy, God, he's got to be about 18 pounds. Anyway, so he just climbed up next to me, so I've gone. I'm sorry for that interrupting you. At oh, no, I love to be interrupted by a cat. <laughs> but, I, but no, I was just saying, I just gave myself something to do. But what I found is that as- things have gone on and gone on. And even though things here really have reopened, I mean, we're, we have in in-house dining now. I mean, we've got pretty much everything, but masks, blah, 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 all that. It still doesn't feel right. You know, there's something that still doesn't feel right. And um, I got away from my daily whatever's when, when the gym started opening and I'm like, you know what? I'm starting to feel lost again. And so I've started implementing uh, not all of that again, but a couple little things that I'm doing every single day for that focus again, because I can feel it's still, I think it's this underlying anxiety that a lot of people feel, you know, that uncertainty, like when is this going to end? When is, can we get back to normal? And when is that going to be, you know, I think everyone feels that way to a degree. Yeah, there's those sayings like pandemics don't end when the virus is gone. Pandemics end when people decide it's over. And this is sort of this ideological war. I think it's most prevalent in the United States, but it exists everywhere where a lot of people just kind of, okay, we're done with this. Now let's go back to normal and we'll cherry pick the evidence to support the, that it's not that bad. And then you have the people who are on the very other end of it who are waving around cherry picked worst case scenario stuff. And I, I think the truth is in the middle. 
to justify, oh, we need to lock everything down again. And I, I think it's naive to think that we're going to be able to just shut people down and contain them in homes. I mean, that might work in China, but that's not going to work in uh, in the U.S. So as much as people want to, I think I think it's kind of wasted breath to vilify the United States for its reaction because it's it's more complicated than that, right? It's it's an interesting society that values freedom, and perhaps that's in conflict with you know the consequences of what's happened. But ultimately, it will be the people that will decide, okay, we're kind of done with this, and yeah. you're not going to be able to stop that. And I think that's going to freak a lot of people out. Well, you know, I think those people definitely need to take added precautions. But uh, I think more and more and more, there's going to be a major push to get kind of back to normal. And at the same time, I think there's some stuff that will take a very, very long time to get back to normal. I think that yeah. global tourism is going to, you know, in terms of like getting back to normalcy, I think we're talking three to five years before we even look at that. But yeah. I don't want to look at the worst case scenario and I try not to look at the stuff outside of my control. And, you know, ultimately one of the themes that I try to put out there is you're in control of your own attitude and your own actions in the face of the things beyond your control. And a lot of my guests that I've had on recently uh, and through this are taking control of what they can. They're working very, very hard on their businesses and their brands. And a lot of the people who are very engaged with my social media and the listeners, they've taken this year to be really engaged with their social media. I did that, you know, to write, to create, to start podcasts, to start YouTube channels, find the vehicle that most interests you to share with people. Like a lot of this stuff, you know, you probably, I suppose it was like probably three or four years ago, you kind of jumped on this. You, along with Jordan Syed, Carter Good, a lot of, there's a group of people that kind of were all part of Jordan's sort of influence who, really started putting out a lot of infographics. And then what happened? Because you guys were the ones on the forefront of that, your audiences grew. You have over 100,000 followers. Chad Hargrove, who was my last guest, over 100,000 followers. Carter's 400,000, something, and Jordan's in the sixes. So that clearly works. And that alone establishes a certain type of credibility and authority in this space. You have far greater reach to influence people with the stuff you're doing. So you just got on that stuff kind of earlier on. And I, and I, I do think for sure it was probably a little easier to build audience with Instagram then than it is now. I think the algorithm changes and, you know, I'm having fun watching mine grow this year. It's not at that same kind of pace, but it's been rewarding, but it still doesn't mean you can't do it. Uh, you just have to find consistency and a format that works for you. And the other thing I really like to put out there is you know, your ideas are still valuable. So let's say anyone listening, if you already follow Susan, you see that she has a big following, but your information, I mean, every once in a while, it's like, oh my God, like that's such a brilliant thought. But I think a lot of the stuff you're doing specializes in the practical. And I bet you tons of people look at that and go, shit, I know that. I thought of that. Why didn't I put that on paper, electronic paper and share it with the world or somehow think because they don't have the following that they're not able to share it well you know you're just beating people to it because you're not you know saying well I'm, you're not saying you're not worthy you actually know that hey i'm going to put this stuff out there it's good quality information people are enjoying it so i think people just need to get past this idea that what they have to say is actually you know they're afraid they're not worthy of saying it yet they're afraid that well i haven't earned the right to put this information out there but if you know this stuff, you're doing the audience you have, even if your audience is 100th of the size of what Susan has, your audience is still looking to you for good fitness information. And most of your audience is not following Susan, it's not following Jordan, it's not following Carter, but they like you. So don't be afraid to share with them. And God, for fuck's sakes, do not be 
do not worry about naysayers or trolls or people who are not your supporters who might disapprove of what you're putting out there. You're not trying to serve those people. Their thoughts don't count. And by pandering to them, you are failing to serve the people that really want what you have to say. I, I agree entirely. And I remember one thing that Jordan told me early on um, was that, um, you know, we all know the basic stuff. I mean, it's not a secret, right? It's not like I, he, you know, he didn't, he, he jokes, he, he talks about calorie deficit all the time. Well, he didn't invent that. Right. I mean, that's just, but he talks about it in his voice. And so that's what he was saying. He goes, you know, we all know about calorie deficit, but no one's heard it in your, your voice and how you, and how, how you want to relay that to people. And, and that made it, that kind of struck me like, you're right. I mean, I, cause I was overthinking like, well, everyone's already talking about that. I can't talk about that. You know, well, yeah, I can, but because I have my own way of saying it or my own way of presenting it or whatever, maybe my way will resonate. You know, how, how sometimes somebody can say something one way and someone else can say it another way. And that other way might register with you for some, it's not like it was better or what, it's just different, you know? Um, there's also, you know, the individual differences, the fact that, you know, you're an older adult and a woman yeah. might resonate with a certain audience where Carter good, you know, fuck, he's still a kid, right? He's like, what? He's mid twenties. He's yeah. really overweight, lost a whole bunch of weight. So he's got that transformation. I mean, Jordan's this, this Jewish kid who loves jujitsu and Harry Potter, right? So that's different right. again. And, you know, I, I always throw out Sohi Leah there, right? So he comes, you know, she's again a diff, she's got that, like, she's brilliant, highly educated, but there's still that, like, super adorable factor there. And it's not like you guys are all talking in completely different realms. A lot of the underlying premises are very, very similar. Right. That it's each individual voice. But I also think that different people, like, I'm this huge dude, right? I'm a big guy. That doesn't work for everybody, right? Whereas some of the same people that my message just, I'm not their thing, they're going to love you. They're really going to be engaged with, with who you are. You know, I, I think being, there aren't a whole lot of advantages of being my age. There really aren't, to be perfectly honest. But I think one of them is that women that are in my age neighborhood um, have struggled the same way I did. And, and to see somebody kind of beat it and, and, and be able to have lost the weight and feel good and move well and strong and all that stuff is hope, you know, for, for, for women. And I think because this whole time period that women go through in middle age is rough physically, emotionally, everything, it's really tough. And, you know, you just want to throw in the towel and just say, screw it. Right. And, and when you have that little bit of hope, you know, then, then maybe that'll motivate you to start doing things and start bringing on the change. And that's what I want to do, you know, and that's the advantage I have. I, you know, I don't have a lot of, I don't have a lot of colleagues, my age, you know, I have a lot of colleagues, some that are turning the corner into the fifties. And I, and I tell them you're heading the best decade of your life will be in the fifties. I tell that to everybody because I believe it. Um, but I don't see a lot of people 60 and up in this active group that, you know, you and I are part of in, in the community. Um, so it's a little lonely in that respect, you know, but I look at myself now as I want to blaze a trail for people. I just want to show people that, yeah, you know what, you can do this. It's not impossible. I, you know, I don't take steroids. I don't take all these crazy things. I just decided to change and I work hard at it, you know, and that's kind of it. I'm not gifted or 
you know, anything crazy. It's just the switch flipped for me. It took a long time, but it finally flipped. And when it did, it was like, okay, look, I, I feel like this is a mission now. I feel like this is what I have to do. And, you know, if anybody wants to sort of pause and think about it, you know, you, you're a late starter in this industry. You had a, you know, entire career, you know, before you got into this stuff. But one of the reasons why there aren't a lot of, you know, women in that age bracket in the industry is because, you know, nobody was starting 40 years ago or 35 years ago amongst women in the strength world. Like it just, doors weren't open there. It wasn't yeah. something that women did. So the, yeah, there's a number of like, most of the people who are right around your age, like Charles Staley is a good example. I think he's exactly the same, you know, okay. They're, they've been doing this stuff because it's more normal for men to be strength coaches. It's only probably in the last, I mean, maybe decade or so, or even the last where it's really been normalized for young women to get involved in that world. I think, I think more than a fair share of women can easily be siphoned off into the, you know, the Instagram space, or they tend to get into more nutrition coaching, which is fine, or, or, or things that seem almost, maybe they're more attracted to them. And I, and, and I don't think that we should force people to go into a space that they don't necessarily just want to go into, right? But I, I can see that female strength coaches will become more and more common, more and more common, but it's going to take mm -hmm. a couple of decades before they start aging into that, that mm -hmm. age right? Mm -hmm. So it's got to get there, but it's just not there yet. So I think the important thing is if you've got anybody who, you know, if you're in your forties, fifties, or even sixties, who is passionate about fitness and wants to explore a career in it, you're the example, you're the, the inspiration for that. And they should absolutely embrace it. Like you said, it's never too late to go into that direction. You've been profoundly successful and once I want to hear your thoughts on that, and then I want to pivot into one of the key relationships you already hinted at, uh, you know, and the value of relationships to those successes. Yeah. You know, I started, um, I got certified as a trainer back when I was a school counselor, you know, and that was just stemming from, I loved being in the gym. I loved doing that. I was, I was still struggling at the time, you know, w with the whole nutrition thing. I didn't know it at the time, but I was, and, um, but I wanted to get certified anyway. And so I did the whole work a full day at school, go to the gym after school, part-time training gig, did my hours at a, whatever it was called fitness first or whatever it was called. Um, got a lot of great experience there, you know? And so if anybody's listening and is new to this hands-on experience by far is the best teacher of anything. Um, and I highly recommend that that's, you have to do that before you get into the online space. I truly think you'll be a better coach because of it. It won't work the same way in reverse, you know, um, practical experiences is, is a great teacher in anything actually. Um, and, and then, you know, I retired from the school system and I was panicked to be honest with you, because I was a school, I was an educator for 33 years. So that was my identity. That's how everybody knew me. And I was leaving that. And it's like, holy crap, now what? And, and then this just, I don't want to say it fell into my lap, but I was training staff members at my school after school, we had a weight room in our school and I started, I started there on my own and that turned into groups. I had to bring somebody in to help me with that. And that's how kind of it all, the whole thing started. And then pretty soon it got too much to do. I just didn't have enough hours in the day to do all the in-person. So I started moving them to online and, you know, getting, um, connected with Jordan. He helped guide me down that road too. So all of this after retirement, <laughs> you know, and here I'm thinking, 
geez, when I retire, I am just going to like sleep in and I'm going to drink coffee and watch the morning talk shows. And I'm going to go on a trip in September because for the first time in my life, I would be able to, to do that. Because, you know, if you think about it, when you grow up, you're in the school calendar, right? I went to college, still in a school calendar, got a teaching job right after college, still in a school calendar in education for the next 33 years. So my whole life was a school calendar. Uh, you know, I don't know anything else until the day I retired, <laughs> you know, and my, how life has changed. <laughs> Your summer's off the whole time, pretty much. That sounds wonderful. My mom, by the way, is all, is a retired teacher too. So love it. Kinda, love it. I have a lot of respect for, you know, that profession, that world. I do, especially right now, uh, boy, my colleagues, I talk to them. I still talk to a lot of them, but what they're having to do right now is insane. And I, I couldn't have handled it. I, I told one of my counseling colleagues, I said, they would have fired me because I would have said, screw, I mean, this is, this is for the birds. <laughs> it's not what I got into this for. Uh, I, I have a young teacher as well as one of my clients. And, you know, the, before the schools reopened, you know, everything was good, 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 good. She was like crushing the gym four times a week, loving it. Uh, her and another longtime client of mine trained together. And then as soon as school wrapped up, oh my God, I have to send text reminders. She realizes the value of making sure she makes that time and leaving the school. She is working heavy, heavy hours. It's yeah. a lot of work. It's very stressful on them. So if you have anybody, if you work with any teachers, you have anybody in your life who is in that profession, you know, show them some love because they're, they're absolutely show them some love getting it or anybody in the healthcare profession at all. I work with a few of those people too. And uh, yeah, they, you know, there's a heavy toll on them. They're, they're pretty crushed mentally through what they've been dealing with a hundred percent a little bit. And I mean, I don't think it's unfair to say that, you know, Jordan's presence in your universe has played a major role in your career success. And I, anyone who's, you know, spends time at Facebook, I think Facebook's where you see this a little more. We all have those friends who, you know, oh, you know, I don't care about the fit pro circle jerk is the language they always use. And I can think of a couple, but I love them to death. But, you know, it's this attitude of I could go it alone. And I think in some cases, they're focused on the people right in front of them, which is fine too. But they tend to turn against the greater industry. I get a ton of referrals and a lot of really fulfilling things out of my relationships across the industry. This podcast is all about that. And I love the idea of, you know, inspiring, helping other trainers who are coming up through. So what are your thoughts on, you know, relationships and the value of that stuff um, in your career? Oh, the difference maker, I think, you know, um, definitely, um, you know, Jordan is responsible for me being right here, talking to you where I am and building my business and, and actually transforming how I look and how I think and, and the physical piece too, because I first connected with him as my online coach. Um, and then we just clicked. I mean, it's so funny. You find somebody that you have so much in common with and with a 30 year age gap, that's kind of crazy, right? Um, and we joke about this. We, we say that if you look at our partnership on paper right now, it looks ridiculous. <laughs> um, and, and it's so funny, the age thing has always been in the back of my head since we started working together in the inner circle. Um, I, I kept thinking, you know, I was just paranoid about it for some reason. And it finally, I finally figured out why. And, and, and he didn't understand it because he, he doesn't even think about our age difference at all. But here's why, because back when I was his age in my late twenties, this would never have happened. 
a 28 year old would never have partnered up with a 60 year old, you know, or whatever. And, and started, that would not have happened. That's why it feels weird to me because that's what I remember of being in that age. That's just how it is kind of everywhere now. So society is different. So that's on me. And he just throws that at me goes, no, that's all new. No one cares. Um, but I think when you find the person that you gel with, and we connect on all cylinders, absolutely. With and with such an age gap difference, I think that's kind of really remarkable. Um, you know it, and so that's why he brought me into the inner circle. And we've, you know, together we've made the inner circle better. I mean, and he and I say that. I think it's it's we're better together. That's what we tell everyone. We feel like we're better together. So that's why we're doing this together. And um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 been great learning from him. I've learned so much from him. He says he's learned a lot from me too. You know, I'm bringing life experience to the table. You know, I, I often say I was your age. I know what's coming for you. I know what's coming, <laughs> you know, <laughs> life experience. Absolutely. I mean, what sometimes people don't clue in because I put it out there like I'm 42 years old and I just been throwing it all over social media. I just a few days ago was my 10 year anniversary as a personal trainer, which means do your math. I started this career at 32, a lot of life experience and a lot of yeah in the gym leading up to it. And that's kind of where it was born from. But yeah, I was a late starter. So you know, life experience is really valuable. I always, and I know there's gonna be some younger people who start at 19 to 20 as traders. Like you guys, I, I admire your tenacity and desire to do it because it's tough starting out in this business at that age. Like shit, Jordan started out as a teenager. But uh, the most valuable thing you'll do is to continue to gain a lot of life experience. So yeah, on that front. You know, I don't want to sound like the old crotchety, you know, back in my day, we all used to, you know, you know, that kind of like you whippersnappers and all that. Yeah. I mean, but, but I do think there is some val some validity in, in being my age and what I've experienced or whatever related to fitness or not my education background and psychology in particular with my counseling um, background has played a significant role in helping me through this process. I think because, you know, I, when I was going through the whole certification process of becoming a trainer and doing all of that, um, the whole working with people was natural for me because that's what I did for a living every day. Talk to people and help people, modify things to help people be successful. That's what I do day in and day out. So that piece I already knew. For a lot of people just starting, that's a whole new ball game. You know, learning how to communicate, learning how to um, teach. You know, we're teachers. We're we're teaching people skills, and and it, it, it not everyone's a great teacher. That is a skill you have to learn. You know, and that's that's challenging. And you know, so I I guess I had an advantage going into this marriage of of my education background and training background that half of it was what it was because I already knew that piece. So now I needed to learn the physical stuff. And, and all the terminology. And, you know, I went back, you know, I didn't go back to school, but when I was, I got certified through ACE and I felt like I was getting a freaking college degree because it was so foreign to me. You know, I'm, I'm a music person and a psychology person. I got those terms and all that stuff. But when you started talking, you know, different in that, the whole anatomy thing, and I, that was new for someone in her, I mean, I, I was 40 in my forties when I got certified, but that was intimidating, you know? And then to be in an industry, where my colleagues are 20 to 30 years younger than me, then you start doubting yourself and you're like, why would anybody listen to me? 
You know, why would anybody want to listen to this old person as opposed to somebody who's younger, you know? Um, so those were real, real fears I had, real fears. I think it works both ways because you get the 21 year old who's, you know, been in the issue a year or two and says the same thing. Why would yeah. anybody listen to me? You know, I ha- yeah. I'm, I'm younger, right? So absolutely. In any position or point of view that anyone has, people will say the same thing. Why would anybody listen to me? You know, it ties in with imposter syndrome, which has been a common theme in recent episodes, because I think everybody who's really successful, if they don't still deal with it, definitely dealt with a fair share of it along the way. So if you as a listener are feeling, fuck, I've been trying to do this little call to action every episode. If you have had an experience of imposter syndrome or you are especially feeling it right now, I want you to shoot me a message on Instagram, okay? Because I want to connect with you. If you've never talked before, I want to hear from you because more and more people are crawling out and, and I'm finding out they're listening to the, the podcast. I'm like, geez, I had no idea you were. But seriously, like if you're dealing with any imposter syndrome, please, you know, reach out because I think everybody goes through it. I will always think that it's sort of a major red flag if somebody genuinely has never experienced. I think some people claim, but they really have. They just don't want to say it. Yeah. But to me, it's almost a little soulless. If someone's like, nope, everything's always been great. I've always been confident. I always knew exactly what I'm doing. Really? Week number five you did? Okay, sure. More power to you, I guess. (laughs) Yeah, maybe. And there probably are some genuine people who really just aren't afflicted by it. But for me, I think most everybody has. And I think oh, yeah. the superstars of our universe, the, you know, the household names, have probably had it as bad as anybody else. You know, I've had, I have a lot of people tell me that they, I'm relatable. And I think one of the reasons why that is, is because I don't put a pretense on knowing everything. Um, and I screw up all the time, you know? So, I mean, all the time, whether it's filming a video or posting something that has a a big spelling error or something stupid, you know, I mean, I do things all the time. Um, I'm a human being. And the difference now for me, though, is they'll humiliate me. Like I would be devastated because the perfectionist in me would get all riled up and, and, oh my God, you know, the world's going to end. But now it's like, eh, sorry, guys, I screwed up. This video sucks (laughs) or whatever. (laughs) You know, I mean, I do the best I can, obviously, but I just want to portray a real person behind all of this who just wants to help people and work hard. And, you know, that's kind of it. I think it's important that we don't try to be, appear too superhuman, right? You got to be authentic. Yeah. And you can look at a lot of people that I like in the industry. I commonly cite sort of a guy like Luca Hosovar is a really good example. I like Luca because Luca puts out a lot of stuff about, you know, hard work, right? He's kind of tireless but he can seem superhuman in his confidence and what he accomplishes and what he's doing. Um, I think anyone who kind of follows me knows that I do, a, I'm involved in a lot of projects, a lot of things and, and work full-time as a coach on top of all these things, the podcast. Uh, but it, it is tiring for sure. But I find mm-hmm. it both motivating to see people who've got that work ethic. I like functioning that way, but I also want to make sure people understand like that comes at a cost and it's, it does, it's not superhuman ability. Um, I, I militant about my sleep and I militant about getting my workouts in, but I think my girlfriend would probably like if I make a little bit more time for her, I know it's I, a balancing act, isn't it? Yeah, it totally is. So if you're struggling to put, feel like you're supposed to do more, like, first of all, set that aside, focus on the things that you're doing. Well, every last one of us has stuff that we struggle with. I recently hired, and I'll shout her out again, my friend, Tara Arndt. 
she is going to be setting up all my email marketing stuff. And it's not like I'm going to be marketing anything just yet, but I want to have those systems in place as following grows. Um, I'm going to start working on accumulating more of a genuine email list. And then as articles get published, like send it out to everybody. So if that's something you're interested in, you know, I'll, I'll have it a collection thing on my website. We're going to revamp that. So, you know, Hey, I'd love to have your email address because at the end of the day, we should all be building email lists, but that's something that I haven't done particularly well up to this point. I outsourced it to someone who's a pro. Um, my intention has been to put these things up on YouTube. I really haven't done that yet. So there's only so much time we have. And mm -hmm. a lot of you guys are seeing the stuff we're doing, not the stuff we're not doing. So is there anything that you, like people may not know, but you're like, oh my God, I struggle with this, or I, I feel like I should be doing this, but I'm not. Oh, I mean, I, I, when I first started with this, I was working myself silly um, till like 11 o'clock at night, every night. And I'm like, I, I can't do that. Um, and so what I've, what I'm discovering with me now is sleep is becoming a big, is an issue. And what, here's the interesting part. The earlier part of the pandemic, my sleep was like, I've never slept better in my life. And I have no idea why, because I haven't changed like really anything. And now it's not great at all. And I'm really feeling it. And um, it is kind of my mission right now to shut down business after dinner. So like um, after we eat dinner, um, you know, clean up, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I don't want to sit there and, and start answering DMS and emails and stuff. Um, I want to really shut it down. So I like, I like go back to my room at like eight o'clock now and you know, I'll get in the shower or whatever. And I will turn on something on Netflix or I'll turn on a show. I mean, just duh, something else that's not reading, reading. I have a couple of really good books that I really want to read, but I'm refraining from reading business ish stuff at night. This is, this has got to be me. So I'm practice. I'm trying to practice this and I I'm not great at it. Um, but my goal is to improve my sleep somehow really get that under control consistently. I'll have a day or two where it works really well. And then, and you'll relate to, to this too. I have a 19 year old cat. <laughs> so yeah. Right. She's like this. She's, you said yours is like 18 in her heyday. She was 16. She's now about six pounds. I mean, she's lost most of her weight, right? She has hyperthyroid medication is whatever it's it. it she's, we're just living life as we can go right now. Right. She's got dementia. She meows. I'm, it's just like, that's a little added, like every now and again, she'll not know where she is and she'll meow and wake me up. You know, you know I mean, it's things like that. <laughs> little side note. <laughs> yeah. Ozzy's uh, he's nine. He'll be nine um, next month. Right. So I haven't faced that stuff yet, but that is sort of like a, a, a a thought too. It's like, as he gets older, right? Like he's been part of my life for so long. I can't even imagine not having him around. I don't let him, you know, it's, it's, I was thinking today, um, how interesting is it that when you're, when you're younger and you have a baby, the goal is get the baby to sleep through the night, right? Well, I've come full circle. I did that with my kid. Now it's me. The goal is to get me to sleep through the whole, you know, sleep through the night. And I just started laughing. I'm like, Oh my God, this is where I'm at. I've come full circle, get the baby to go to sleep all night. And now it's get the old adult to sleep through the night. <laughs> ah. Getting my cat to sleep through the night and not scratch at doors. Yes. Oh, right. That's the worst. Right. 
and and ours doesn't i mean she'll just kind of go in the hall and 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 yowl because she i don't know if she knows she's got feline dementia i'm sure of it um but right before we came on she will go outside with me. We went out the front door. We walked down the sidewalk to our mailbox and walk, she walked right back with me. That's like her daily, her daily walk. <laughs> so something I alluded to earlier, um, it's the difference between like, I think some of the people in the industry who really adopted to the circumstances here, work really hard and have built brand business and set themselves up going forward. And I think a lot of people probably have struggled. It partly depends on where you're living. Like, Trainers and gym owners in California and New York are definitely having a worse time of it than the ones in Oklahoma, right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. The presence of the virus, but also, you know, more stringent governmental controls on it. So I have a theory and I have an unpublished article that'll be coming out on True Coach probably in about three weeks, where I think this is the best time to stay in the industry. And I think there's a whole bunch of factors going on there. So I wanted to see what your thoughts were. And in particular, one of the points is, I think that the concerns and the fear around this with now the knowledge I alluded to earlier about what we know leads to worse outcomes, you know, obesity and, and hypertension and whatnot. I think that there's going to be this cohort of the, you know, the 50 plus crowd at the very least, who maybe have always thought, hey, I should get in shape, or they sort of value fitness. And I have a feeling that particular cohort is going to make a major shift into gyms. I don't think it'll fundamentally change you know the United States, North America, and all of a sudden everybody's fit and they're like a bunch of Norwegians. But I do think there'll be enough of it where it'll create a surge in demand for our services. And it's an age cohort that also on average has the financial resources to hire trainers. So mm-hmm. what do you think about that? I totally agree. I, I, I wish we would be talking, we talk about COVID all the time. We mean government. Everybody. Meetings and play talk about COVID all the time. And we don't talk nearly enough about what you were saying are the, 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 the markers of, of people that get hit hardest, like obesity and, and all those things. We need to be talking about those. I think I agree with you. I think there's going to be a surge with this, especially when I think the COVID numbers start going down and we're going to be hearing more about the, the, the group of people that got hit the hardest with it and why, and those things, how we can act on that now, I think that will come out. And I think my age group younger than me will be a big part of that. I do. And I think it might even be a big part of that working out at home. Um, I don't know if they'll, I don't know how many people will go to a gym or whatever that may take time to get that going, but the working out from home piece and Jordan and I have a big upswing with that in the inner circle. And we hopped on that early in the pandemic by creating more at home based kind of options for our crew members because um, they were in need, you know, gyms are shut down and whatever. And so whether gyms stay shut down or they, they reopen, maybe people don't want to go. And I could see the people in the fifties be a little antsy about going at least at the beginning, but I think there's going to be an incredible need for all of us. Um, moving forward. So yeah, anybody that's kind of either pretty new or just starting and feeling frustrated, whatever, no, you stick with it, (laughs) you know, push through this because I think, I think this industry will benefit greatly and we can help a lot more people too. I I truly believe that. I do believe there's also the question of the supply of trainers, because I do think there's going to be an upsurge in demand. Yeah. But I also think that there's going to be a certain group of trainers, the ones who 
you know, despite best intentions have really struggled and they, they always are stressed out about income consistency. Now, I certainly think that, you know, the, the tip, stereotypical salary job is, is no more, if not less, you know, stable and secure than our income. It's just a lot of people aren't comfortable with the, not knowing where the next clients come from, so, so on and so forth. So those people who kind of struggled and were uneasy with the variability on a good day really, really got hammered this year. This is going to stress them out. So I suspect that group will probably leave the industry uh, in droves because we see tons of turnover in our industry anyway. That's a anyway, right. accelerator. I also suspect that there may be a slowing down of entry into the industry, be it gyms, not hiring as many people, not as many opportunities. I'm sure, you'll probably see more online Instagram coaches. And, you know, there's, there's good and there's bad in amongst that. But there's certainly unqualified people who've got a following who are trying to take advantage of that. And then there are genuine people who are really good with their online media who are also really, really qualified who are going to grow. But either way, there may be growth there, but I suspect you're on the floor in-person gym trainers. There's going to be a slowing of new ones, which will create a delay in their growth and skill acquiring. There's going to be a group that will leave. And I think what that does is it leaves a lot of potential and opportunity for anybody who does weather this and, and stick it out. It's going to take some innovation. And I think building in the ability to be in the online space, I think is essential. Mm. And kind of to your point earlier about you need that in-person experience. I've written something on this too. I mean, in an ideal world, sure. But I also think that going forward, being online is going to be a part of the career development of trainers earlier than ever before. I agree. We do have a choice here. You know, we and look what Jordan and Mike are doing with uh, how to become a personal trainer, right? I mean, they have a mentorship for online trainers. Uh, and I'm, I'm a part of that, by the way. I'm one of the coaches. Yeah. So there you go. So you're in that one too. Yeah. And then obviously, uh, you know, I'm a big believer in uh, Jonathan Goodman, the personal trainer development. Center, yeah. Uh, the online trainer Academy, right? Recently had me, uh, you know, promoting that on my social media. Um, and I, I, and I have bought that myself. So we have all these great resources and educators in that space. So I think it's good to, you know, and you weren't, so I'll make sure I'm clear on this, but some of our industry like to complain and say, oh, you need to be on the gym for arbitrary numbers five years before you can train yeah. arbitrary bullshit. And who says that? Where did that number come from? But that's also not realistic anymore. And people are going to enter the online space, whether you like it or not, or deem it okay or not from your gate, gatekeeper position. So you may as well be part of the education of that group of trainers benefit from it. Jordan, clearly you guys are all benefiting from it because you guys are there and getting paid to teach, you know, trainers to how to do the online space. Well, because I think that's helping a lot more capitalizing on it and having those people engage with you versus kind of looking down upon the new trainer who, you know, maybe they've been in the business six months and then COVID hit what they're not allowed to do online programs, home workouts for their yeah. clients yeah. Like them and they have a good relationship. But sure, you know, a trainer on the floor after six months is probably not a great trainer under most circumstances. I don't want to go back and think too hard about the mistakes I probably made in my first year. Yeah. But the clients like them, they're trying really hard. If you're the person who's listening to this podcast and you're fairly new to the industry, like seriously, I would rather see you successful on that front. And I, I'm myself not a formal educator of online coaching, but I know people who do it well. You guys, your guys' team, uh, John Goodman's work, and then there's others. So like, go to those resources and be really great at this stuff. And it will accelerate your competency in that space. 
So it's not about the right to do it. I think it's, it's going to happen regardless whether we deem it appropriate or not. Oh yeah. I, you know, it's the, it's changed so much. It's changing, you know, as we, as we're going through this absolutely. When I first got in, it was not like it is now, you know, I mean, so it, it, even in the short time, it has changed dramatically. And and I think also, you know, people in their twenties and stuff that are breaking in and getting into the online space, um, you know, that's kind of the whole online thing for everything is kind of what they know, what they grew up with. It, it, you know, it's very familiar. It's quick and the instant gratification and stuff. And I think one problem I see is that people um, want everything very quickly. You know, they and and I get it. You got bills to pay. You, you know, I mean, you it, it can be nerve wracking if this is what you are doing for your career and you have rent to pay and you do all those things. Of course, that that's going to be like something on your mind all the time. And again, maybe this is the big advantage I have is that that's not part of my thing at all. I don't care, you know, because frankly, I already had a career. You know, I have retirement. I have all of that. So I don't I could stop this today and not look back. Um which is an advantage for me. I don't have to worry. You know, this is a real worry with people. And so, you know, the whole patience thing that we talk about with losing weight and building muscle and all this, it applies to building a business as well, you know, and the tenacity that's required to do that. And I think that the tenacity that's required for building a business that tests you, you know, that's, that's a toughie. Um, I think maybe more so than anything else, it, it, you know, and I'm not a business person by any stretch of the imagination, but um, on a good day, it's tough, you know, and it, it would be very easy to say, you know what, screw it. I'll just go to the bank and get a job at the bank or whatever, you know? And I actually do think that that job at the bank isn't as safe or truly alluring as it may seem. Yeah. You can go from all your income from, you know, whatever X salary to zero very quickly. I love that concept because it's sort of presented the book Anti-Fragile by uh, Nassim Nicholas Taleb. Mm-hmm. Anyone's ever read it. And it's funny because I've been talking about this for a while and then Mike and Jordan talked about it very separately in the same example on one of their episodes of how to become a personal trainer. And so, it, but it's, it's the best example I can think of. This illusion that, oh, my salary is safe, I'm secure. No, that can get snuffed in a second. Whereas you as mm-hmm. a there are so many things that could possibly happen that you can see trends. If your income is declining and you're okay, then you have a lot of opportunity to pivot, to change, to adapt to new practices, change schedule. There's, there's an infinite array of ways you can pivot before you lose all your income. And I want you guys to think about this. If you're listening to this right now and you're still in the industry and we've gone through the worst uncertainty in a lockdown of COVID and you're still here, mm-hmm. barring something that- Yeah, yeah post-apocalyptic like wasteland life you know after some sort of horrible event or an asteroid hit um there's probably we nothing, did it there's nothing that gonna happen in our lifetime that will I'm certainly hoping that will be worse than what happened with covid yeah. i do think that trainers in specific locations i mean you got natural disasters hurricane katrina in new orleans or anybody who was there owned a facility or god forbid an earthquake in california yeah sure like that stuff could be really massively fucking awful but on an aggregate industry level, we probably will never see anything this disruptive again. And if you survived it and kind of did okay, you're golden going forward. 
Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's been unbelievable for all of us. Um, yeah, it's just perseverance, you know, um, you since March with all of this stuff, you, you, you're in a good spot. <laughs> and, you know, I decided I had like a rough three, four weeks when it first was happening, you know, and I sat down and I watched a bit more TV than usual and then I shook it off and I said, screw this. Uh, and then I put myself to work studying and learning. I redid PN level one and I got into nice. really great, you know, training textbooks and Michael, Michael Boyle stuff. And I'd just been reading voraciously and then just business was good, 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 good. And then now it's, I'm as busy as I've ever been and more people are coming on. Well, let me, I want to ask you a question. <laughs> you were talking about all the reading and stuff you were doing. So I have this desire to read a lot, but I find it very difficult for me to read during the day. And I, it's because of how I think of it, because I, would think of reading as relaxation is whatever, blah, blah, blah. I have, I have two books like right here that I really want to spend time reading. Um, I struggle with that. And that's going to be something I work towards as a personal kind of goal is blocking off time and forcing myself to read during the day. Because to me during the day means I need to be doing something. I'm, I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do. You know what I mean? It's been an interesting struggle. So I think there's a few things. First of all, if you get a time block, especially if you're in like, you know, in my office and I have a reading chair, I specifically went and bought a reading chair and that's mm. symbolic. So I'll try to go. Read mm -hmm. as that's things, a good idea. Yeah. As things have been busier and busier, it's been harder. So one thing I do is when I'm at Evolve, because I spend the first half of my day there, I make sure I keep a book on me. It's in my computer case. So if I get little chunks of time, I'll pop out a book. Um, I'm currently reading a handful, but one of them is the ultimate sales letter, which Jordan recommended. I yes. I have that book. Yep. On his podcast. Right. So like his episode, which was great, but I have a couple of adjacent thoughts to this. And I wrote an article in the fall that got a lot of traction. It was uh, on my friend, Carolyn McDonald's website. It was content 101, create more, consume less. It's very easy for some people to get caught in the loop of consuming as a way to procrastinate from putting the effort, yes. building your own brand work, writing in yeah. particular or whatever content creation vehicle you have. So also be very careful about finding the easy road of sitting down and reading books, especially if it's not necessarily stuff you really need imminently, uh, where you feel like you're doing something good, but what you're really doing is avoiding the shit that will drive you forward long-term. So for me lately, I've been making sure that my, my downtime or if I get a client cancel and I go up in the lounge in, the, in Evolve, that I am working on various tasks that move me forward. Writing, I've got a bunch of articles in the works uh, for True, True Coach and T Nation or uh, you know, social media content ideas or whatnot. So I'm actually trying not to default to the book, but then at the end of the evening, when everything else is kind of done, I try to set that last hour because I'm also militant about not being in front of screens and devices in that last hour before bed. So that's the time that I like to sit down and try to read. So I've been working through one of Brene Brown's books. They're all great. And I'm rereading Influence by Robert Cialdini, which I think everybody should read. Probably the best sales book that ever existed. And then I'm working through the tail end of The Language of Coaching by Nick Winkleman, which is a phenomenal book. Again, anybody who does a lot of in-person coaching with clients, I would recommend reading this book. It, it's just phenomenal on, uh, on training cues, and in particular, external versus internal cues. So that's kind of how I approach it. And then kind of a simple answer is you still got to time block this stuff, right? 
put it in yeah. the schedule and just say, listen, like this hour is for career development. This is a stuff yes. reading. So therefore I've put this in my schedule, block it off and don't let anything disrupt it. Yeah. And, and, and that's the approach that I'm starting to take because otherwise it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, I mean, it won't, it'll be something else that kind of jumps in the way. So it, it's starting to be blocked off time. I do that with my workouts too, because it's, I was talking to somebody not, not too long ago that was complaining about their workouts, keep getting um, put off because they're trying to start, they're getting into this business right now and they're putting in all this time. And, and I'm like, you know, that is the one non-negotiable for me. Um, and, and, you know, rightly or wrongly that comes, I make sure I do it. Like I, I didn't really have a lot of time today, but I went, I, cause I booked the time to do it. And it, it's just something, it's not going to make me feel at, I'm, 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 I'm really at my best. If I don't, you know, and if I don't, I'm not at my best. Um, so yeah, it's a priority and it's a non-negotiable for me. Um, and I know there's some business people out there that would like, oh, you know, because I've chosen that, uh, that is above most everything right now, <laughs> because that helps me. Because if I'm not at my best, I'm no good to the inner circle. I'm no good to any clients. I'm no good to anybody, you know? It probably, I, I say this to clients all the time. And, and I would say this to your clients, who every, every listener who you have clients who are struggling to you know, make consistent workouts because they're quote busy. Well, the time and the effort that you put into your workouts and the benefit of those workouts will almost certainly give you back that time in terms of mental clarity, energy, productivity, right? Because yeah. imagine just how much time, I, I still waste time. I'm not that productive. In fact, it's one of my biggest stresses is shit, I gotta get more done and I could be more efficient instead of checking devices or what have you. So that you have good mental clarity, you know, getting into concepts like deep work, like Cal Newport's book, you're gonna get a lot more done on the front of writing or content creation or business building. And working out regularly will help you feel better to do it. So I sell that concept to my clientele all the time. And that's one of the best, the ones that buy in, they, they notice it immediately and it helps set them on a consistent path instead of fighting with your clients all the time to show up to their workouts. Yeah, I, it, it, it's amazing the difference. And, and you know, just for everyone to know, you know, a workout doesn't mean you have to drive 30 minutes to a gym, work out for an hour and a half and then drive 30 minutes home. Cause really who has that kind of time to do that all the time? Um, it could mean, you know, a 30 minute you work out at home that day or, you know, whatever, but the point is scheduling it and doing it. And then, and even especially when you don't want to do it. And this is something I posted about today, the whole motivation thing and, and doing something when you don't want to do it is, is, is tough. And a lot of people have a problems pushing through that friction. And I just tell them, you got to start focusing on what you're going to feel like at the end, not what you, not the feeling that you feel in the moment of, I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this. You have to focus on how you're going to feel at the end and think about what it's going to make you the most proud. Jordan says this all the time. Are you going to feel the most proud afterwards when you have done something, when you follow through, or are you going to feel the most proud when you just said, ah, screw it. I'm just going to sit here. You know, do what you're going to feel great about and use that to get you there to do whatever it is you're, you're trying to do that you don't want to do. You know, I mean, we all suffer through that. You know, I get asked all the time, why are you so motivated all the time? I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> I'm not motivated all the time. <laughs> Today was a great example of that. But if I sat there and wallowed in the, oh man, I just don't feel like it today. Yeah, I would probably not have gone. But I started thinking about, no, because I'm going to feel great when I'm done. 
I'm going to have more energy for the rest of my afternoon, which was packed. So, you know, it, it's there, there's, and it, while we're on this, it's so funny. I don't know if you hear this, but I hear this all the time. People want like tips. What's the tip? Well, you know, the tip is do it. <laughs> there is no tip. You know, there's no dust, magic dust to throw on this to make it better. Sometimes the answer is you just have to grit up and do it, you know? And so many people, you know, think, thank you for that kick in the butt. Kick yourself in the butt. <laughs> you can do it, <laughs> you know? <laughs> grit up and just do it enough that it becomes a habit. It becomes your default setting. Uh, and I think a lot of us are kind of in that space. And it doesn't mean that we're perfect, but we're more yeah. it's like, hey, I don't feel like it. It's not about the motivation to do it. It's about the discipline that it's part of who I am, my workouts. Right. They are an essential part of who I am. They, like you said, exact words, they're a non-negotiable for me. And they are what preserve my physical, but certainly my mental, emotional well-being to be able to take on all the other things and to, you know, to stop work at yeah, 11 o'clock some nights and, you know, to be back up and coaching people at 10 a.m. Yeah. It's yeah. worth it. Yeah. And like you said, you know, be it doing the workout or doing the work towards a career, it is worth it. And it feels good when it's done. A hundred percent. Yeah. There's nothing like it really. And, and that will propel you to move forward with whatever you're working towards, you know, um, and, and you will feel accomplished. You'll get confidence. And I think that's key too. You get more confident. And when you are more confident, you are more willing to do it again, take more chances, whatever it is, you know, I mean, it just kind of steamrolls, but it's that initial friction wall that you have to bust through. And that's the tough love piece. That's where there's nothing that you and I can say to somebody to make you go through that. Well, that, you know, that is you do it and, and think about what you're going to feel like when you're on the other side of that. Well, this has been wonderful. Uh, if everybody listening, if there's a section to go back and listen to, it's probably the last five, six minutes of everything that Susan had to say. It's great to get you back on here. I really appreciate your time and your thoughts. Um, let's make sure everybody knows where to find you online. Sure. Um, really, I'm just a little bit of everywhere, but it's Susan Niebergall Fitness and it's spelled N-I-E-B-E-R-G-A-L-L -L. Um, Fitness. Instagram, a lot of Instagram. You'll see me on Facebook. I have a YouTube channel and I have a podcast of uh, the Strong and Lean at Any Age podcast where we kind of talk about middle age stuff, <laughs> um, that kind of thing. So you'll find me everywhere. Yeah, I've been finding more and more I've been trying to get people to direct them to my Instagram and I link out to everything else. If I'm writing articles on publications or, you know, podcast stuff or whatever, I'm still putting it all up on Instagram because that's where I'm more active. Traditionally, right. Facebook, still on Facebook, you can go follow me there, but you know, you don't see the posts as much on that algorithm. So, but Instagram has been my playground. I've been having a lot of fun with it. If you're interested in content creation and, and anything like that, definitely go connect with me on there because that's where I've been uh, playing with. And, and you've uh, been crushing it by the way. Thank you. I, I'm a little late to the game compared to, you know, you guys we were talking about earlier, but it's been a lot of fun. So, and I appreciate the fact that, you know, every time you share something of mine and it, you know, when I get those big account shares, cause I have so many friends in the industry who've got those big followings that, uh, that tends to drive follower growth. So I'm sure there's people listening right now. If you've found me through Susan or, or Jordan or Mike Isertel or, or someone else along those lines, you know, again, let me know where, where you came from originally. And, and thanks for everybody who's been listening consistently. Uh, again, I want to hear from you guys. Shoot me a message. If you are listening, a regular listener, but you're not 
following me on Instagram, please connect with me there. That is really the hub of everything that I'm doing. And, and most of all, like go follow Susan. And if you are recently finding this and finding my work based on, you know, being one of Susan's followers, well, we had Jordan on not too long ago. We, Dean's, Guido's not with me anymore. So um, I had Jordan on, I think he was my fifth episode and we're on number 13 of the new rebrand. So maybe go check that out and enjoy that. And if it's good enough and you like the other library of people I've had on as guests, maybe you'll stick around and subscribe. So, but again, thanks either way. I appreciate the fact that you're here. And uh, we're going to chat a little bit off air. And yeah. uh, thanks, guys. Uh, hopefully, thank you next week.